Okay, I think we're on. Uh, not positive here, waiting for confirmation that we've actually gotten started. Yes, okay, we are on. Some technical difficulties on the network side. Uh, it is Free Talk Live, launching into yet another show, funning, uh, fun and excitement. And it's Ian here with you. Oh, and Mark with his and microphone here I am, off. And Mark. And there he is. It's not just, maybe it wasn't the syndicator. No, no, no. Technical difficulties on both sides now. Oh, uh, okay. But we are here and uh, going to do a show and want you to be involved in it. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything, as you always can. And that's why we call the show Free Talk Live. Again, that's 800-259-9231. Let's start things out by talking about apparently a story that has gotten very little coverage, at least according to Michael Hampton at HomelandStupidity.us. He says that one of the requirements for a totalitarian police state is a system of kangaroo courts, star chambers, which operate in secret and in parallel to the existing judicial system to convict political prisoners of pretended crimes against the state, which could never survive in the regular courts. And former Judge Michael Mukasey... I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Nominee for the U.S. Attorney General. That's, this sounds about right. To, uh, to replace Alberto Gonzalez has proposed that the United States adopt such a system of courts. In a little-noted opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal in August, McCasey argued that terrorism trials in regular courts expose too much information to the enemy, undermining national security. The existing legal system, he says, is, quote, strained and mismatched, unquote, to the task of dealing out justice to those accused of terrorism. Well, of course, it might be strained because it's loaded down with case after case involving drug suspects. That might be one of the factors putting a strain on the judicial system in this country. Yeah, a, a lot of cases. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, what just uh, the... What, 800,000 people uh, convicted of uh, possession of marijuana, or excuse me, of marijuana crimes in uh, 2006, a majority of them for possession? I think we could probably lighten the load. McKenzie cites two proposals, one by former Deputy Attorney General George Terwillinger to authorize detention of suspects before they have committed any crime. (laughs) Oh, good. And one by Andrew McCarthy of the Center for Law and Counterterrorism to create national security courts, which would try suspects, foreign and American alike, in secret. Hmm. The McCarthy-Valishi proposal would apply to international terrorism and other national security issues. So anything that allegedly threatens national security, whatever that means, uh, would also be subject to the secret courts. Legal scholar Glenn Slamacy was the first to propose a national security court to try suspects in secret. His proposal would create national security courts loosely loosely based on courts martial, which operate in secret, where defendants cannot obtain their own counsel unless the government agrees to grant the attorney a security clearance, and where defendants are tried at U.S. military bases and detained, imprisoned, and executed at U.S. military brigs. Most importantly, anyone, American or not, could still be tried in a national security court, or as they seem to be called these days, Homeland Security Court. According to uh, Homeland Security Today dot U.S., another need for Homeland Security Courts is to deal with the latest issues, Slamacy explained during his discussions with HSToday.us. U.S. citizens who turn their backs on the government and seek to overthrow it by engaging in jihad right now are treated differently than jihadists from other countries. A Homeland Security Court would remove this disparity. Now, it says engaging in jihad, and, and, and I, I believe that does mean violence. The struggle. Yeah. I, I mean, the struggle, does that necessarily mean violence? It's sort of been, it's it's been positioned it's, to mean violence. Yeah. 
But if you turn your back on the government, is that also a jihad? If you just simply refuse to deal with the government or refuse to enter into agreements with it, is that also a jihad? Is that also going to subject you to the new Homeland Security Court? Uh, Well, uh, a Homeland Security Court... It just flies in the face of um, our Constitution, sure common it does. law. Sure, the Magna uh, Carta. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these documents that we've based Western civilization on. Um, this is sick. Yes, apparently these uh, these experts would like the uh, American judicial system to resemble more tyrannical, despotic nations than a free country. Well, it's easier to run those. Commander Salmacy, who's been interviewed at length by HSToday.us in recent weeks, is the first permanent commissioned military law professor at the Coast Guard Academy, where he's an associate professor teaching international constitutional and criminal law. See, he knows something, Mark. He's 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 an expert. Pro. He's a tyrannical expert, but an expert nonetheless. Department, uh, he says, next year will be national security, blah, blah, blah. He's written extensively about the legal challenges of adjudicating captured terrorists. Uh, Homeless secu- uh, Stupidity says it's clear that in the short term, short term, some legitimate system is needed to deal with people who engage in hostilities with the United States. It's not at all clear that a separate and parallel judicial system, which would sweep up ordinary innocent Americans accused of terrorism and other undefined national security issues, is the right answer. Remember Guantanamo Bay, chock full of innocent people who were ordinary farmers one day and being waterboarded the next because some bounty hunter wanted an easy $5,000? The government admits that all of the people it's released from Guantanamo, or of all the people, only 10% return to the battlefield. What of those other 90% who we can only presume were innocent, whose lives were disrupted for years by being in the wrong place at the wrong time? Federal District Court Judge John Kugenhor, who presided over the trial of Ahmed Rassam, who attempted to bomb Los Angeles International Airport in the so-called Millennium Bombing Plot, says that a separate judicial system is unnecessary. According to an article in the New York Times, it's regrettable that so often when our courts are evaluated for their ability to handle terrorism cases, the Constitution is conceived as mere solicitude for criminals. <laughs> yeah. in, implicit in this misguided notion is that society's somehow charitable view toward ordinary crimes of murder and rape ought not to extend to terrorists. In fact, the criminal procedure required under our Constitution reflects the reality that law enforcement is not perfect and that questions of guilt necessarily precede questions of mercy. Consider the fact that of the 598 people initially detained at Guantanamo Bay, 267 have been released. It is like likely that for a number of the former detainees, there was simply no basis for detention. The American ideal of a just legal system is inconsistent with holding suspects for years without trial, which is why they did all that down in Guantanamo, so it would be outside of America and supposedly outside of uh, some level of jurisdiction. If confirmed, Judge McCasey will join Michael Chertoff as another esteemed former jurist in the executive branch facing the formidable task of keeping the country safe from terrorism. The distinction between the roles of judge and law enforcement officers should not be lost in the transition. Our courts ensure an independent process. They do not enforce the prerogatives of law enforcement. Any proposal that would blur this distinction would compromise a bedrock principle of government that has been defined of this country from its inception. And back to homeland stupidity, but merely providing a system to try to suspect a terrorist in what could easily become a kangaroo court, a complete mockery of due process in which the innocent are convicted right along with the guilty, is just the beginning. According to NPR, Terwillinger, 
Terwillinger, would like to see a national security court that could authorize preventative detention so a judge could lock suspects up to stop them from committing a terrorist act, even if prosecutors can't show that they've already committed a crime. Couldn't he just lock us all up to prevent us from uh, committing a terrorist act? Sure they could. I mean, however, uh, however small the chance might be, isn't, doesn't society need to be protected? Again, that's just a matter of degrees, Mark, from what they're proposing. Britain already has a system like that, but the United States does not. See? It's always trying to play catch-up to the the U.K., the country we tried to escape from hundreds of years ago. 800-259-9231. The police state continuing to be on the rise. We'll give you more details on this scary story. And I know you might be thinking to yourself, oh, well, it'll never happen to me. Well, will it? More on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com where all the features are totally free including the wiki, over 1,400 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of the website. So head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. Once again, that's wiki.freetalklive.com. And are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. And I would say that as every day passes, uh, the evidence mounts that D2Z is right. <laughs> I, I, it's hard to argue. Uh, go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. D2Z.org. So our number is 800-259-9231. We're talking about a, a pretty disturbing proposal that's on the table, but it's not really too far away from what... So the track this country has been going on, at least the government of this country has been going on for the past six years. Uh, I mean, we already know that the president has the ability to label pretty much any uh, anyone in America as an unlawful enemy combatant, have them essentially snatched up off the streets, thrown into a military brig, and then, uh, you know, maybe put in front of a military tribunal. So we already know that these awful, unconstitutional things can already be done. But the one of the guys that's running for, or I guess in the running for the the attorney general uh, position of the federal government, is now proposing that we actually have some sort of national security court system or homeland security court in addition to the existing judicial system here, so that all these terror suspects and anybody else that possibly is putting so-called national security in jeopardy would be tried and, and uh, well, it wouldn't be public trial. They would be tried secretly in these Homeland Security Courts. So that proposal is now officially on the table as of uh, a few days ago in the Wall Street Journal, uh, an editorial by the, the the guy who's proposing these things, and he's being considered for Attorney General. The, and these are the people that are protecting us. These so are the called. people that are that are um, you know protecting the Constitution. They're the ones that are serving us. Um, you know, in light of the Constitution, that's the power that's given to them is because of the the Constitution. And this is just completely unconstitutional. Right. Not only would it be unconstitutional to build these, uh, you know, this alternative third track, uh, these other courts, the secret military. Not even they're not even military. They wouldn't be military courts. They would just, just be tribunals. Uh, tribunals. Star chambers. Uh, not courts. only is not only is that unconstitutional, but it also unconstitutional is the idea of locking up a suspect prior to committing a crime. Now, 
again, a lot of there's a lot of precedent here that is going to allow them to say, well, you know, we're already doing this. I mean, we've got conspiracy charges. For instance, if you conspire to grow marijuana, they can give you a conspiracy to manufacture marijuana charge. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter. It wouldn't matter if you'd never actually planted the seeds in the earth or in your, you know, your uh, hydroponic garden. The fact is, if they have evidence showing that you purchased the seeds and you were talking to a friend of yours about growing some marijuana, then there you go. Well, the possession of the, charge. The possession of the seeds are, um, in and of themselves, uh, you know, th- th- that's a crime. But. They shouldn't be able to charge you with anything more than that. Well, that's what I'm talking about. They do regularly charge people with these conspiracy to commit fill-in-the-blank. So that's sort of already on the table. And so, again, this is just the next step from there. Since Americans had accepted that and lived with it. went along with it and lived with it and didn't op- oppose it, then now they're offering – now the idea that's on the table in addition to the secret courts is a national security court that could authorize what they're calling preventative detention. <laughs> so a judge could lock you up if, you, if they think that you're going to commit a terrorist act or possibly, again, threaten national security, uh, even if prosecutors can't show that you've already committed a crime. According to Turling, Turlinger... It's he, too hard to be a prosecutor as it is. I mean, he, we should make it easier on them. <laughs> he says the government will find a way to identify people who are dangerous and need to be incapacitated to neutralize the threat that they represent because the people will demand that. He says the question is whether the government will incapacitate people by bending the rules of the system we have now or by working within the rules of a new system that everybody signs on to. So... This guy is saying, and I'm not sure who he is, uh, Mr. Terwillinger, maybe he's one of the other candidates for attorney general, but essentially he's saying that they're going to do this whether or not it's legal. So he's either going to, they're either going to bend the rules of the system that we have now and start arresting people prior to them actually doing uh, anything, or they're going to legalize it by creating this new extra um, constitutional court. Hmm. So they, they, they don't give a flip about the Constitution or any sort of process that they have to go through to actually make these changes. They have their mindset on what they want to do, and they're going to do it. They, they seem – yes, that seems to be the case. The Homeland Security Court, according to HomelandStupidity.us, as effective as it might be for prosecuting real terrorists, would also open the way for innocent Americans to be picked off the streets and suffer the same treatment as innocent foreigners. You won't have to be brown-skinned, wearing funny clothing, and praying to the East in order to be thrown into a military brig, given a secret trial, wherefore the government justice is secondary to winning, and disappeared forever. These Homeland Security Courts or National Security Courts, once established, will begin growing just like any other government program. It won't be long before the government begins to expand the categories of people who are eligible for the secret star chamber process until virtually anybody could be disappeared for saying the wrong thing in public. It can happen here. You could be next. Our system of government doesn't make it impossible, only somewhat more difficult than in other countries. And innocence won't protect you. In fact, it won't even matter anymore. As Judge Kugenhor says, this is a price too high to pay. McCasey's nomination was approved 11 to 8 Tuesday by the Senate Judiciary Committee and has gone to the full Senate for confirmation. He faced harsh criticism over his refusal to state that waterboarding of terrorist suspects at Guantanamo Bay was torture and therefore illegal under U.S. law. The Senate is expected to vote as early as uh, today, apparently. On that, apparently, it didn't bother him enough. Uh, you know, he may face some tough questioning, but right, that's it. That he's he's nominated by the uh, the committee, 
but not by the full Senate at this point. And that's what they're so apparently we're supposed to vote on today or tomorrow or, or very, very soon. So, I mean, it looks like it's probably going to go through. And either way, and even if the Bush administration is, you know, I mean, if they're a bunch of good guys that uh, wouldn't hurt the wrong people and they wouldn't do it to the wrong people. Once this power is put in place, it can be used by the wrong people. Sure can. Now, I'm of the opinion the Bush administration is the wrong um, set of people. Right. And I don't want to take their word for it. I don't trust I don't trust any politician uh, as far as you can, as far as I can throw them, and I couldn't throw them very far. So I, you know, I don't trust them whether they're Democrats or Republicans. I don't believe a word they say. And the fact is, they're going to tell you to your face, "Oh, don't worry, we're keeping you safe. That's okay. Don't, well, we can't tell you who we've put into these secret courts, but trust us, they belong there, and they're bad people. You believe us, don't you? Well, no, I don't. Why don't you show us what the evidence is that you have against these people, charge them publicly, and have a public trial just like you deem appropriate or was deemed appropriate for everybody prior to the, these crazy um, military tribunal star chamber concepts coming out? Oh, well, there's terrorism. In I mean, the, it's not really... easy enough to convict people in, in our regular courts. We have to have, you know, we have to have courts where they railroaded into to being convicted. But, Mark, Mark, there's, uh, there's state secrets, and we can't have this information getting out in a trial. I mean, that could reveal other things and make, I don't know what their real excuses, but that could be bad. It could be bad. We can't let that information get out. Secrets. We need more secrets. And I, I'm with Ron Paul. I don't think the government should have uh, secrets, really. I, I think that certainly not as many as it does. Right. Do do it out in the open. What what is it that you're afraid of revealing? Uh, more on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just three dollars a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. This is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com where all the features are totally free. Get signed up for the updates. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Head over to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Today, businesses, banks, healthcare providers, educational institutions, and other businesses are uh, plagued by a burgeoning rate of customers who have failed to pay their bills. You might believe this debt only affects those industries and businesses, but when people don't pay their bills, all consumers pay the penalties, which are manifested through increased prices everywhere. So if you have or know of any businesses that require assistance with collections, Tell them to call SACL CAI for a no-obligation, no-cost proposal. SACL CAI repositions companies to zero in on principal operations and regain their financial foundation. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. Let's go to the phones. You can bring up anything. It's Dougie in Kentucky. You're on Free Talk Live. Uh, hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, me and my friend were having a conversation about this. Uh, I'm a smoker myself, but... Um Oh, we smoke marijuana ourselves, but mm-hmm. I was we were talking about this. Uh I don't think a cop should be like the cop himself should be blamed if he like arrests somebody for smoking marijuana or has has possessions just cuz he's doing his job and he thinks they should be blamed 
because they're doing an evil an evil act. I agree with your I agree with your friend um, because you know just because your job involves following orders that doesn't mean that you are exonerated for from the responsibility of accepting the orders that you're following. And uh, I mean I know some cops. I know one of them is a really nice guy. He follows those orders. He does do those arrests, and he wants to end the war on drugs. So I understand they're in a tough position in that they're going to get reamed out by their uh, supervisors or whatever, the administrators, if they don't uh, follow these orders. But nonetheless, I mean, the fact is the Nazis were just following orders, too. And I don't think anybody would agree that, uh, well, they should have been given a pass for that. Well, I think that there's some blame to go around everywhere. First off, uh, smoking marijuana is against the law, and you take some risks when you do it. So to say that marijuana smokers are completely absolved of guilt is, is it's just not so. Um, you know, they, they, they know, didn't hurt anybody. They didn't actually commit a crime. They, um, but it may be against a law, but that doesn't mean anything. They're to me. taking their fates into their own hands by smoking. I mean, they know they know what the yeah. punishments are. Secondly, the police officer, yeah, yeah he has the discretion not to uh, arrest you, so therefore some guilt falls on him, and certainly. The largest amount of guilt falls on the American people for not uh, standing up and saying, look, this is a stupid war on the American citizens, not a war on drugs. That's true. Your thoughts, Well, Dougie? if the American people doesn't, don't stand up and say that, doesn't that mean that most of them don't uh, want marijuana legalized? And they're no, okay I think with most it? of them just don't care. No, I think most American people are just completely apathetic, and they don't stand up to do anything on any issue. I mean, it's not just that it's, not that it's about marijuana. I mean, if you look at the polls... Um, on on the issue of marijuana, medical marijuana, for instance, garners something like 80% popular support. So when you ask them, the American people are in favor of it. And in fact, they know that their friends and family members are marijuana smokers. Many of them do. And I, I, don't, I don't think they want to see their friends put in jail cells. It's just yeah. that they, they feel like... I think most people probably feel hamstrung and helpless and that, you know, there's nothing that they can really do to change the situation. And I wouldn't blame them for that because most of the politicians that run for office aren't interested in changing that situation. So what's an American to do? Um, I mean, you can protest, but again, if the politicians don't change the law, the police continue to enforce bad laws and nothing changes. So it's it's it can feel kind of fruitless, I think, to people. Yeah. Well, me personally, I'm all for the legal uh, legalization of marijuana. It makes things a lot easier on everybody. You know, sure. some, a cop won't have a guilty conscience for sending an innocent teenager to jail just because he smoked a joint, and a guy won't be a guy won't be sent to jail and have his life ruined just because he smokes a joint. Yeah, not and, to, not to mention, I mean, we had a guy call in uh, last night from Great Britain who was saying that over there there's a problem with uh, dealers spraying down the weed with uh, apparently a product that has some some very small uh, particulates of glass in it. Uh, I guess I, I looked at a little bit more detail about that later on in the night, Mark, and some, some doctors were saying the glass wasn't dangerous. But either way, it is true that uh, black market dealers do some pretty unscrupulous things uh, to their product in order to weigh it down. Down and you know, for instance, you get a uh, if you get a if you're a big dealer and you've got 400 pounds of marijuana you're going to sell and you just add a little bit of dirt or something like that to each bag, you know, you add a gram or something to each bag, you've created a, a whole extra pound of marijuana that never was really there. It's not really marijuana. It's just you put a pound of dirt over 400 pounds. You just made yourself an extra thousand dollars simply by dropping a little bit of dirt in each bag. I mean, that's just one example. Then there's the dealers that spray them down with uh, with you know a, a fine mist of water to make the the plant more 
wet and therefore heavier, and it's you're, you're paying by weight, so they're ripping people off. So another one of the ways that would um, one of uh, one of the benefits to relegalization would be that marijuana consumers would actually finally get a straight deal from legitimate business people competing in the marketplace instead of black marketeers and criminals. Huh. Well, um, <clears throat> what about the companies? Well, do you, what do you think the companies will do? Will they uh, be against it or something? Like, uh, do you have any idea what the what like Marlboro will do? If marijuana is legalized, there's always there's been an urban legend out there that Marlboro has, uh, like they own fields down in Jamaica and they're ready to convert them to that. marijuana fields and sell Marlboro Golds, uh, marijuana cigarettes. But I think that's just an urban legend. In fact, I don't know uh, if it's Philip Morris or or which companies, but there are some major. At liquor and cigarette manufacturers that are part of the Partnership for Drug-Free America, that, that particular organization that you've no doubt seen some television commercials from, is funded in part by alcohol and cigarette companies. So I think those companies would certainly be against it. Um, they might they be afraid of their they, market share They going might away. just be um, on board because they don't want to be lumped in with drugs. Maybe. Or they're trying to get on the good side of all the cops. Uh, who knows? Um, but the fact is, you know, out in California where medical marijuana is legal in some other states, uh, I mean, it, you know, they're still selling cigarettes. So I don't think that it's really that. They're selling just uh, fine. Yeah, that's, I don't really think it's a big concern. And it wouldn't yeah. matter. If there were enough popular support for legalizing or re-legalizing marijuana, then it really wouldn't matter what Philip Morris thought. Thanks for the oh, call, okay. dude. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Interesting he brings it up because there's a story at the Scientific American uh, about marijuana. Uh, apparently a study has been done in Switzerland. Reefer madness? Apparently not, according to a new Swiss survey of students that concludes teenagers who smoke pot function better than those who also use tobacco. In addition, researchers at uh, University of Lausanne report uh, report that teens who only use marijuana are apparently more socially driven and have no more psychological problems than those who neither smoke, uh, smoke nor toke. Scientists surveyed over 5,000 Swiss students aged 16 to 20 years, including 455 who said they smoked weed only, 1,700 uh, and three who reported being tobacco and marijuana users, and 3,105 who said they didn't imbibe at all. According to the authors, uh, the gateway theory hypothesized that the use of legal drugs is the previous step to cannabis, uh, to cannabis consumption, in that if you smoke cigarettes, you're more likely to go on and smoke marijuana. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, recent research also indicates that cannabis use might precede or be simultaneous to, uh, to tobacco use, and that, in fact, its use may reinforce cigarette smoking or lead to nicotine addiction independently of smoking status. Among their findings, compared with students who reported using both drugs, those who smoked pot only were more likely to be uh, those who smoked pot only were more likely to be male, get good grades, play sports, and live with both parents. Cannabis-only smokers were also less likely than their cigarette and joint-smoking brethren to have used other illegal drugs or to have been soused. 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 Okay, drunk or have used pot more than twice in the previous 30 days. In contrast to those who shunned both substances, the pot-only crowd was more likely to be male, have a good relationship with friends, and play sports. They were less likely than the abstainers, however, to get along with their parents. 
<laughs> Researchers stressed that whereas students who smoked and toked seemed to be more prone to psychological problems, the marijuana-only users should not be dismissed. A little bit more on this study and your thoughts as well at 800-259-9231. And, you know, it's just a study. So take that with a grain of salt like you would any other study. The uh, toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I think, though, it is reinforcing the idea that maybe this marijuana isn't such an evil drug as the government is, has been attempting to make it out to be. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, By the way, on the way uh, tonight, you've got a story, Mark, about a 13-year-old girl who's been suspended from school for doing something outrageous. We'll talk about what that is. 800-259-9231 allows you to bring up anything. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then we'd like to invite you to shop at store.freetalklive.com. When you shop at the Free Talk Live store, you'll find all kinds of great branded merchandise like Free Talk Live t-shirts and hats and hoodies. Uh, let's see, we've also got the uh, DVD Classic Archive collector sets. We've got a uh, we've got the Free Marketeer flag and t-shirt and more. Lighter bottle opener combo, free bumper stickers. It's all there at store.freetalklive.com. So place your order. That's store.freetalklive.com. Talking about uh, marijuana, Dougie had called in from Kentucky and brought it up, and I actually happen to have a related uh, article in the show prep for tonight from a uh, Swiss study. Scientific American reporting on it basically found that uh, at least Swiss young people, teenagers between 18, or excuse me, 16 and 20, um, were th- those that smoked cannabis versus those that smoked cannabis and cigarettes versus those that did neither. Turned out that the uh, cannabis only smokers were. Um, apparently less likely than those who smoked cigarettes and cannabis to have used other illegal drugs or to have uh, gotten drunk or to have used pot more than twice in the previous 30 days. Also, in addition, uh, the pot-only crowd, in contrast to those who shunned both substances, was more likely to have a good relationship with their friends. Now, that was only 87 versus 83 percent, so not really a, a huge statistical significance And there. I'm not sure that parents consider uh, you know, a good relationship with your friends the most important thing um, that a, a high schooler can be doing. They were less likely than the abstainers, however, to get along well with their parents. So only 74% of the marijuana-only smokers got along, compared with 82.4% of those who did neither. The researchers stressed that whereas students who smoked and toked seemed more prone to psycho- psychosocial problems, the marijuana-only users shouldn't be dismissed. They wrote that even though they don't seem to have great personal, family, or academic problems, the situation of those adolescents who use cannabis but who declare not using tobacco should not be trivialized. Groups working toward the decriminalization of marijuana, especially for medical purposes, praised the findings. Bruce Merkin, who we've had on this show from the Marijuana Policy Project, said, Studies like this show associations, not cause and effect. But the drug czar's office regularly uses associations between marijuana use and problems like poor grades to frighten parents into thinking that cause and effect is proven. So will it now say that smoking marijuana makes teens have better peer relationships and are more likely to participate in sports? Of course not. It's not an abs- likely at all. Right. It's an absurd conclusion. I was never interested in uh, when I was a young person in participating in sports. And when I started smoking marijuana... I still wasn't interested in participating in sports. So this just just points out, I think more than anything else, that 
young people and anybody that smokes marijuana are not radical, drug-addled maniacs. They're just kids looking to alter their state of consciousness a little bit. And, you know, um, it, it does seem to be a natural human thing to want to alter your state of consciousness, whether it's with a couple of beers at night um, or whether it's with marijuana cigarettes or, you know, whatever it is. And it, it is a natural thing, and I understand that there are a lot of parents that certainly, you know, they don't want that to happen. They don't want their kids to go out and do drugs. But I think that you have to understand that it's likely that your your kids, whether it be alcohol or cigarettes or marijuana, it's very likely that at some point they are going to try something. In which case, it makes more sense to be honest with your kids and you know, not try to uh, give them these scare stories. Because if you tell them a bunch of lies, then that's or what the government if, does. Even if you're not lying, um, somebody's likely lying to you about marijuana. Right, if you're repeating what the government told you, mm-hmm. then you are essentially giving misinformation. And if you give your kids misinformation about marijuana, and then they go out and they try it, and they find out that, hey, marijuana stuff's not so bad after all. Maybe they were lying to me about heroin too, you know, and then you, kids go and try heroin to see if that's okay as well. I don't think that's a good idea. Right. I wouldn't want to put marijuana on the same plane as heroin. But that's what the government does. It's, it does. They're all in the same exact uh, category at the federal level. And uh, one more thought, real quick, from Bruce Merkin. He says, no one wants to, because it's important, no one wants to encourage teens to smoke marijuana. But this study strongly suggests that the most serious problems for teens and parents isn't occasional marijuana use, but heavy use of multiple substances, which is likely a sign of kids who are seriously troubled and need help. And I have to agree with that entirely. The people that I hung out with in high school that were just marijuana smokers, they didn't have problems. They didn't have any more problems than your average teenager. Just that they chose to smoke marijuana, perhaps, instead of drinking. What's the big deal there? And we certainly shouldn't be putting kids in jail cells if they get caught with the joint. That doesn't help at all. No more than we should put them in uh, jail for, for drinking either. No. Absolutely not. Um, but I think it's interesting that you know people keep telling their kids, oh, don't do this and don't do that. And of course, the kids end up going out and doing it anyway. And it's it just seems kind of fruitless. You know, be honest with your kids and tell them the truth. And if they want to go out and try marijuana, there's not really going to be anything you can do to stop it. Really, I'm sorry to tell you that if you're one of those parents out there that's really, really super concerned about this, they're going to hide it from you. You're not going to know what's going on. You're not going to be able to consult with them about it. You're not going to be able to talk to them about it. It's going to be completely off of your radar. Right, and I think that's the the, the biggest issue is, you know, where where do you want them to do these things? Mm-hmm. Likely they will, especially if they um, – and don't you want them to come talk to you about it? Don't you want to be in control of the situation? I mean, would you rather them get their uh, experience drinking with a bunch of other kids in a car driving along, uh, you know, a road somewhere? Sure. Or would you rather them get their experience drinking at home with you, where they're safe? Right. I mean, you may not want either of those situations to happen, but sure. one is clearly preferable. I, you know, I want my child to ascend into heaven on uh, clouds, uh, <laughs> completely sinless, but likely they will not. Not so, if they follow in their father's footsteps, at least. I just think there are, some, uh, there are some real negative consequences, some real fallout that can come from this attitude of, you must not do this. 
Uh, it essentially puts the kids, it makes it so they have to hide these things. And, of course, if they're hiding them, then that's going to result in, in behavior that will seem, you know, may seem strange to you. You may wonder what's going on with your kid. Uh, they're coming home late at night, and they're telling you one story that may not be the truth. You may not know how to get the, the real story out of them. You're getting suspicious. You're wondering what's really going on. Well, the not, fact is... Not meeting their friends. Right. You know, the fact is they're going out, living their life, and they want to keep it away from you because they think that you're going to do something to them. They think that you're going to punish them in some way for going out and just trying to, in their mind, have a good time. And, of course, you know what's interesting, Mark? I came across a story earlier this week, is that even if the government were successful at stopping marijuana and stopping drugs from coming into this country... Which, of which course, it's been a miserable failure. It, it will never be successful at, simply because of supply and demand. I mean, people are always going to want to do drugs, and therefore there will always be people willing to take the risks to supply them to them. But even if they were able to do it in some weird fantasy uh, drug war world, they still wouldn't be able to stop kids from getting high. In fact, uh, according to an information bulletin posted by a Florida police department over the uh, during this, I guess, earlier uh, last month, one of the – this is from, by the way, Snopes.com. Uh, they're claiming that there's a drug out there called Jenkum. Jenkum? Have you heard of this? No. Okay, Jenkum or- – <laughs> Apparently originated in Africa and other third world countries. Oh God! Yes. By fermenting raw sewage to create a gas which is inhaled to achieve a high. Now the cops allege that it's a popular drug in American schools, but there's uh, some conflicting viewpoints on this. Some believe Seems that damn unlikely. Some believe that nobody is doing this uh, at all. But the fact is, this is a real drug. It is something that could really be done should someone want to go through the process. Uh, essentially. It's a homemade substance which consists of fecal matter and urine. Uh, they are placed in a bottle or jar and covered most commonly with a balloon. The container is then placed in a sunny area for several hours or days until fermented. The contents of the container will separate and release a gas, which is captured in the balloon. Inhaling the gas is said to have a euphoric high, uh, similar to ingesting cocaine, but with strong hallucinations. Uh, and it goes on to say that uh, apparently the... Uh, the high let takes approximately 10 seconds to come on. Severe hallucinations happening after about 20 minutes. Sounds like an inhalant, almost. It is. Uh, several articles indicate the subject immediately passes out after ingesting the gas, then regains a magical hallucinogenic state within seconds of regaining consciousness. The high has been described uh, by many subjects as being out of it and possibly talking to dead people. The feeling of out of it, uh, the feeling of being out of it, may last for several days. Subjects who used Jenkum disliked the taste of sewage in their mouth and the fact that the taste continued uh, for several days after that. And Snopes goes on to sort of dig up some uh, some evidence to confirm or deny this because it really sounds like a rumor. Uh, but basically, it is true. There was a, a 1995 Interpress Service report about Zambians in Africa, poor Zambians uh, doing this. Also, the BBC reported on it. So it really is a real drug, which means that even with all the enforcement efforts and cracking down on the borders and inspecting packages, your kid could go and put his you know, dung in a bottle and, and huff the gas from it to get high. You know, the fact is, if you want to stop kids from getting high, it's impossible. They're going to keep doing it. Let's let them use marijuana so they can at least stay safe. More on the way. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. I said we were going to tell you a story about a young lady in government school who's been suspended for doing something that the government school officials found unacceptable. What was it, Mark? Well, from MSNBC.com, 13-year-old Megan Coulter received two days of detention for two hugs. The eighth grader was uh, punished for violating a school policy banning public displays of affection when she hugged two friends Friday. I feel it's crazy, said Megan, who was um, to serve her second detention Tuesday after classes at the uh, Meskatawa Middle School. I was just giving them a hug goodbye for the weekend. Megan's Mm. mother, Melissa Coulter, said the embraces weren't even real hugs, just an arm around the shoulder and a light squeeze. It's hilarious to the point of ridicule, Coulter said. Yeah, I mean, this isn't even uh, like, you know, rub your boobs against him kind of of hug. This is just a, you know, all right, have a good weekend, good luck. Coulter said, I'm still dumbfounded that she's having to do this. District 13, su- so, I mean, I don't know if there'd be much boobage to rub anyway, but nonetheless, I wouldn't have a problem there with that either. No, I, I wouldn't have here. a problem with that either. So what if she wanted to give a guy a front-on, full-on hug? So what? District Superintendent Sam McGowan said that he thinks the penalty is fair, and the administrators <laughs> in the school east of uh, St. Louis were following policy in the student handbook. It states displays of affection should not occur in the school campus at any time. It is in poor taste, reflects poor judgment, brings discredit to the school and to the persons involved. Discredit? Well, what is discrediting about loving somebody or feeling uh, warm towards another person or friendship and... Uh, t- whoa, what? This is just so weird to me, man. It's so, it's so cold and so, so inhumane. Yeah. It's it's sick and weird. I mean, kids do they can't give each other hugs? Do these people believe that if they allow hugging at school, that the next step is a gang bang in the cafeteria? Yeah, they're copulating in the uh, back in the locker rooms. Uh, you know, they were we were allowed to give hugs at our school, and uh, nobody was copulating. Well, at least <laughs> not too many people were copulating at school. Okay, Coulter said she and her husband... At least not the kids. Teacher and student, well, you know, that's another story. It happened. Coulter said that she and her husband told their daughter to go ahead and serve her detentions because the only other option was a day of suspension for um, each skipped detention. Wait a minute. I thought she was suspended. She was... um, It was detention. Two days of detention. Oh, two days of detention. So she had to go to school and sit in a a room. Yeah. Education. Hmm? Education. She's, she's That's being not education. Ed- right, it's not education at all, sitting someone in a room, right. not doing anything. Why not go with the suspension? At least then you can stay home and, you know, clean your room or something. Well, look, I'm not doing the parenting here. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it wouldn't take – if this happened to my child and my child happened to be at public school and I have already heard enough sto- stories that that's not going to happen, Yeah. Um, I would have pulled them out over this. Sure. And I would have gone to the – you know, I would have gone to the paper like they did. We don't agree with it, but I certainly don't want her to get in more trouble," said Coulter. Mm-hmm. The couple, Obey. Yep. The couple planned to attend the next school board meeting and ask board members to consider rewording the policy to be more specific in what is considered a display of affection. I'm just hoping the school board will open their eyes and just realize that maybe they shouldn't be punishing us for hugs," Megan said. 
seems like a reasonable position to be taking. Uh, but again, you know, now they have to go to the school board and beg them to change the policy. Yeah, this, this is, is one of the ways. This is one of the they reasons. They don't have to beg, and this is you know they're they're choosing to be cowed. They do not have to send their little girl to public school. Now, no, I understand that their money is being forcibly est- extracted from mm-hmm. them and uh, you know sent to these organizations. But using that money that's um, been extracted from other people, as far as I'm concerned, is it's, it's immoral. I'm not calling them bad people, but I choose not to do it because I think it's wrong. Well... I don't know if it's necessarily... It's certainly wrong for me. How's that? Uh, right. I don't know if it's necessarily wrong, because you could see it as, okay, well, you know, the criminal gang has come and stolen money from us, and they're taking that money, and they're doing various different things with it, and one of the things they're doing is they're offering this uh, educational thing that mm-hmm. we can send our kid to. I don't think it's a good idea, from simply from the perspective of you shouldn't let the government educate your kid. There's some really dangerous things, and we'll talk about that here in a moment, that can happen as a result of that, you know, essentially turning them into good little socialist commies. Uh, but, you know, you could, you could view it as simply re, um, you know, recapturing some level of value from the money that was stolen from you, well, not necessarily that you're stealing money from other people. It, it's the government that stole the money, when not I, uh, you. When I went to the hospital with my wife here, um, you know, we're having a baby and all that stuff, uh, we were offered the opportunity to get uh, government assistance. Apparently a great deal of people that have babies do just that, to the mm-hmm. point that they offer it to you from the get-go. Would it be would have been okay for me to say yeah I'll take that money? No, I think that I think that liberty minded people that and we are liberty minded people should reject as many government uh, subsidies as as possible as they can afford. I, I you know I, I think it's possible, but I mean you know Mark, you're going and uh, creating a weekly television show on the government uh, government ch- uh, created channel Cheshire TV here in Keene, New Hampshire. It's not quite the same in that it's a user fee, so the people that are paying for that channel did choose to go ahead and subscribe to that particular right. Time it's, Warner cable. It's not force. Um, you know, the the I, I disagree. I just dis- I just don't think it's, it's a difference forced. in degrees. Um, it's because, a very small degree because it would have it required. Be, it is small, but it's still just a difference in degrees. For instance, if you were a Time Warner cable subscriber mm-hmm. prior to um, the creation of this. Uh, public access channel, mm-hmm. and then they added in this extra fee, then you really didn't have that choice. You would then have to cancel your existing subscription uh-huh. and choose to go somewhere else at the cost of, you know, incurring a satellite installation and whatever. You would have to get, if you wanted to get a satellite, you'd still have to pay that, so that doesn't, that, that's not the issue. And um, Time Warner includes all kinds of ch- uh, channels uh, that I didn't pick. I, uh, I you understand. Know, there's... there's uh, CNN, there's Fox News, there's all kinds of channels that I didn't choose to have. The simple fact that, uh, you know, to, in order to allow uh, them to broadcast in this community, they said, well, you have to have a, a public access channel. I don't think that that's force. No, I agree with you that it's a, t- it's a different situation, but that was my, the best example I could come up with for, right. for, for what I, you were doing. I drive on roads that are paid for by um, taxes. And you, pay the, and you pay those taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you, you wouldn't but reject I, the idea of driving on the roads because it's, it's something you have to do. I personally reject the idea of sending my kid to a public school, but I wouldn't say that anybody who does it is an evil person. Right. And I they're find not a it thief. for myself. And they're not stealing. I, I find it, for myself, I find it immoral. Like That's part of the position that I come from. It's, not it's, the entire position. It's the government that's stealing. Okay, mm-hmm. They're the ones that are doing the stealing. They're redistributing the money. It's akin to essentially you know, a pawn shop owner buying stolen a, property? a stolen stair 
stereo. You know, somebody comes in, sells a stereo to the pawn shop. He doesn't know necessarily where it came from, mm -hmm. though, I guess. Yeah, and I don't think many people really think too hard about the method of funding public schools and all of that. And, uh, you know, most of the people sending their kids to government schools aren't liberty minded people. Mm -hmm. They're just regular folk that are doing what they think they're supposed to do. That's all They're You know, the money's been taken. They just want to get something back. And it's not worth getting back. It's not it's not something that they should really be going after. But that's how they feel. 1-800-259-9231. Well, if, you if you do send your kids to school, this is what could happen. This is the garbage uh, that, they, that you know, they're going to be dealing with. This zero-tolerance nonsense, whether it be zero-tolerance for weapons that have uh, gotten young kids as young as five or six years old in trouble for bringing a, you know, a butter knife to spread some butter on their uh, bread in their, the, the lunch their mom packed them. A butter knife, that's contraband now because of zero tolerance. Uh, whether it be drugs, where a kid brings a bottle of aspirin to school or a bottle of whatever his prescription pill is, if he doesn't check it in with the office first, zero tolerance on that one. Uh, you know, and, and then now there's this zero tolerance on affection. The idea that you can't hug someone that you like or give them a, a peck on the cheek or hold their hands... No affection is allowed to be shown in these government schools. Now, it's just one school board, but I'm sure there are a lot of similar policies across the country. I find that absolutely disgusting and, and absurd. And I think that what will be really interesting now, again, the, the attitude of the parents is, okay, sweetie, you just need to go along with the rules and not stir up any more trouble here, which is sort of the typical response of your average sheeple, if you will. Oh, just let's just get along now with the government. We don't want to stand up and you know stand up for the freedom to hug somebody. I think would be nice is if the school, if the kids staged like a hug in or something. Yeah, where a bunch of kids got together, maybe twenty of them. Got together, just started hugging each other out in the middle of the field in the or in the cafeteria or something like that, right in front of all the government bureaucrats. What are you going to do, ban an entire classroom of students from coming to school the next day because they wanted to hug each other? They what might is, try. What is this world coming to? Would love your thoughts on this. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We've got live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, both are for free. freetalklive.com. Are you having trouble getting the restful night's sleep your body so desperately needs? Before you reach for addictive pills, try the sleep generator. It's a CD that uses scientifically engineered audio frequencies that interact with the human brain in such a way that it almost forces quick, safe, and non-addictive sleep. So if you're really having trouble falling asleep, go to www.highspeedsleep.com. Remember, for deep, restful sleep, it's highspeedsleep.com. Let's go to the phones, to the fun. Talk to Dave in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hello, Dave. Hi, guys. I got a funny story to tell you about hugging. All right, do tell. When I was younger, a friend of mine used to hug and I thought I saw her, and I opened my arms, and I realized it wasn't her. Oh, boy. But the girl goes, give me a hug anyways. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah? Did you even know the girl that you were hugging, yeah. or was a total stranger? Total stranger. See, what's wrong with giving people a hug? There's nothing wrong with hugging. Can you believe this madness? We just, re just for people just tuning in, uh, I don't remember where the school was, but in some school district in uh, in America, Near any Louis. any where was it? Near St. Louis? Louis. Any signs of affection are verboten. And, That's wrong. Hmm? That's wrong. Yeah. 
What is that going to do to our kids? I mean, when they when they're told that showing affection is is uh, inappropriate or wrong when you're in public places. I mean, is that going to make them just colder people in general? Yeah. Less likely. Well. Less likely to show those emotions uh, to others. More likely to grow up to uh, abuse animals and possibly kill people. Yeah. They say all kinds of bad things about people who don't get enough affection. Dave, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one at the Sakel CAI toll free line. I just think it's uh, it's really sad what's happening in uh, in American government schools. But hey, you wanted the government to educate your kids. Well, maybe you didn't, but a lot of Americans they loved that idea. The government said to them, "Hey, we'll uh, don't you worry, we'll take care of little Johnny, and little Susie. We'll educate them for you. You don't have to think and decide and choose which school they have to go to. We'll just do it all for you. You just put them on this little yellow bus in the morning and let us take care of it." And I think there's been a lot of fallout from that. A, American kids have been dumbed down. Young people in American uh, in America very good at using computers and uh, and that sort of thing, but in other areas they just aren't what they used to be. In other areas of learning, reading, writing, arithmetic, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, there's a neat story over at LouRockwell.com from Doug French uh, called Fuzzy Math, where he talks about how those who worship the altar of political correctness and believe American public schools are doing just a dandy job of educating youth might want to consider the following. China graduated almost 200,000 engineers, 44% of the undergraduate degrees in 1999, according to the National Science Foundation, and has plans to eventually graduate a million engineers each year. In contrast, U.S. engineering schools turn out just 7,300 engineers in 2004, according to the president of the American Society for Engineering Education, totaling less than 5% of all bachelor's degrees awarded. He says our graduate schools are filled with foreign nationals who last year earned Absolutely 58% of the engineering PhDs awarded in the United States. This country relies heavily on those grads to fill our technological needs, but more and more U.S.-trained engineers are returning home after graduation, meaning back to the foreign countries right. where they came from. Barr makes the case that just that students must excel at math and science to succeed in the engineering field, so you would think there would be a renewed focus on that third R, arithmetic. But in some New York City schools, math class has become a vehicle for leftist teachers to indoctrinate students to socialism, believe it or not. And this seemed pretty unbelievable to me, but it's true. If the kids learn a little math along the way, it's likely an accident. (laughs) Click on RadicalMath.org and be amazed. Right away, you'll notice the organization's mission. Quote, Radical math is a resource for educators interested in integrating issues of social and economic justice into math curriculum in classes. Oh, boy. (laughs) These folks recently held a conference attracting 400 math teachers and education professors entitled Creating Balance in an Unjust World, Math Education and Social Justice. The official program's first page started with a passage from Paulo Freire, a Brazilian Marxist educator and icon of the Teaching for Social Justice movement. Quote, There is no such thing as a neutral education process. Education either functions as an instrument which is used to bring about conformity, or it becomes the practice of freedom, the means by which men and women deal critically and creatively with reality and discover how to participate in the transformation of our world. Ellen Davidson from Simmons College led the first session of the conference entitled, How Unfair Is It? Analyzing World Resource Distribution in Mathematically Rigorous Ways. The workshop promised to design lessons to, quote, 
help children build stronger conceptual mathematic skills while simultaneously helping them understand social injustice. Sarah Ludwig led a workshop on teaching mathematics through an economics through an economics justice lens, and a group of Chicago public high school students took attendees through a social justice mathematics project involving racial profiling. But I really wish I could have been there for Beyond Barbie, Moving from Scale to Social Justice, facilitated by Portland State's Swampna Mughlia. <laughs> the workshop description reads, quote, In this hands-on session, whatever that means, <laughs> hands-on we'll, Barbie what? we'll focus on how mathematizing Barbie doll in terms of proportional reasoning opens up to a deep interrogation of some vexing social and cultural issues of our global world. Besides unpacking the relationship between self-image, self-worth, and body image that result in eating disorders such as anorexia and bulimia, we'll also look at the labor issues, particularly in terms of sweatshop conditions in toy manufacturing. God. You got that? And you thought calculus was you hard. Know, the, the people that – this seems so ridiculous, this whole idea of sweatshops. People go to work every day in sweatshops. Why? Because it beats working on the farm wherever the hell they are. Sure. I mean, well, you can an bet economy that doesn't just be happening. an economy doesn't just boop, boop, turn out to be mature where um, you know there's all kinds of labor unions and all that other stuff. It has to get there first before you can institute your justice. Yep. Well, it turns out that radical math got its start with a grant from the New York City Department of Education. Oh, good. The principal organizer, uh, Jonathan Osler, is a math teacher at El Puente Academy, a small social justice high school in Brooklyn. Back in 2005, he and two math teachers from other schools applied for the Department of Education's Zone Teacher Inquiry Grants Program. According to the City Journal, some of the social justice issues that math classes explore are check-cashing locations ripping off poor people, H&R Block and Jackson Hewitt ripping off poor people, and foreclosure agencies ripping off poor people. Mm-hmm. When informed about creating balance, uh, the Creating Balance Conference, the school's chancellor told Stern, this is a private conference at which a range of views will be expressed. It seems that many of these views are hardly radical. Hardly radical? It used to be that kids would actually learn some math in high school before going off to college to be turned into communists. It probably doesn't matter whether these kids can add, subtract, and multiply. After all, social justice demands that society uh, society provide from them from cradle to grave. But has anyone warned the Chinese? So, can you believe this? I mean, this is going on right now. I can believe it, but... uh... High school math classes are now being used to indoctrinate kids, young Americans, into the ways of socialism. Who would have thought? I mean, where won't it show up now? You've got it all the way from the communist redistribution of pencils and school supplies in the kindergarten classrooms, all the way up through the high school math classes now. If that's not enough reason to pull your kids out of government school, I don't know what else to tell you. More than it's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. 
And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, completely free, so enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system. Over 300,000 posts, lots to talk about, serious issues, fun stuff, all for free, and all at freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured, manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest's mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. 800-259-9231 from schools to cops. LouRockwell.com's blog, uh, Manuel Laura, one of our listeners, actually, uh, reporting on a, a, a little taser roundup. Since uh, the cops really kind of taser happy these days, give me a couple stories here. Police have apparently tasered an 82-year-old woman at this point, oh God. Lillian Fletcher, when performing a well-being check at her home. The police broke into her home, without a warrant, of course, and she grabbed a hammer. You know, you might want to defend yourself from thugs breaking into your home, maybe if you're old and the lights are out. I don't know what the situation was, but... Uh, the woman was attempting to defend herself, apparently. The cops then served and protected her by applying a good flow of electrons for her own good. Sun-Times article says that after the tasering, Fletcher, who suffers from dementia and schizophrenia, was hospitalized for five days. May have to undergo surgery for fluid on the brain. The next story, via The Agitator, uh, apparently tells, that, uh, tells us of a, a story of cops tasering a man sleeping in his own home. Earlier this year in North Braddock, Pennsylvania, resident Sean Hicks came back from a night out and plopped down on his own couch in his own home. Unfortunately, he failed to deactivate the uh, silent alarm on his home security system. According to Hicks, two police officers responded to the alarm, entered his home, and woke him with a taser blast between the shoulder blades. Oh, good Lord. When Hicks tried to explain that the whole thing was a misunderstanding and that the officers were in his own home, they tasered him again. They next checked his wallet and ID, which confirmed his name and address. Then they tasered him again. <laughs> the police. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, I hope you're laughing at the absurdity of it all. I am bless- laughing at the absurdity of it this all. This is sick. The police then removed the taser pellets from Hicks's bloody back, refused to get him medical treatment, and arrested him for being belligerent. Can you imagine? <laughs> Dear God. Maybe you'd be a little belligerent if the cops busted into your home and then tasered you three times while you were sleeping on your own couch. Especially at one time after they checked your license and saw your address. <laughs> they apparently then threw him into a holding cell until about 5 a.m. the next morning when they released him without filing any charges. Oh, really? Hmm. Mm, I wonder why. And you know what happened next. The police department suspended the officers who tasered Hicks without pay while they conducted a thorough investigation. They then had them arrested for assaulting <laughs> Hicks with their tasers, falsely arresting him, and violating his civil rights. The two officers were fired from the police force, then charged, convicted, and given lengthy prison terms. Uh, no. Just kidding. They were cleared of any wrongdoing. Of course they were. Welcome to the police state of America. You know, <laughs> I... I kind of see their side on this one a little bit. You know, the guy's alarm. Huh? A little bit. You know, the guy's alarm was going off. They were called legitimately. Right. He, You know, if he didn't want the cops to come to his house, he shouldn't have had an alarm that oh, called them. I understand. It's never a good idea. I mean, story after story, it turns out that it's usually a bad idea to call the cops. If, if you've got a situation with a neighbor or something's going on, try to handle it on your own first in as many different ways as you can before bringing in the cops because they'll do something stupid. Right. And it is stupid to think that uh, that the likely 
uh, thing going on when an alarm, a burglar alarm is set off, that in fact a burglar is in the house. Usually when burglar alarms are set off, you're talking about, you know, something just like this, a, a, a person who wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. And to wake a home, uh, this guy up with a, with a taser blast. Right. Sleeping on his couch. Right. Um, the chances of finding a burglar are slim. The chances of finding that burglar sleeping on the couch are even more slim. Now It could to, happen. It, 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 certainly we've seen stories like that. There have been stories where burglars will like get high in the person's house and then pass out or something like that. But I don't think that the first thing that they should do is zap him. Well, now we don't know what the, I mean. Their side they of the story said, was they could have been yelling at him to wake up, and uh, maybe he was like sleeping on his stomach, so they were I get worried the impression he had a weapon. That if, he's, if he's falling asleep on his couch, like maybe, and he missed turning off his burglar alarm, probably maybe he came home drunk. Yeah, but I, I think they were a little quick on the trigger there in that case, and especially the second and third times. And then they arrested him for for getting upset about it. I mean, please, these well. people are out of control. Locked him up. I don't know if they arrested him. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. If you arrest somebody, well, now wait a minute, Mark. I mean, if you are taking somebody, and putting them into handcuffs, are they not under arrest? Essentially, they they, um, they should be um, from a legal standpoint. But really, they do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, I mean, where do the charges come in? They say that they release the guy without filing any charges. So, at what point after the arrest do they file the charges? Because there are plenty of times where cops will arrest people. We've seen video footage of it, where the cops will arrest people and say, you know, well, we we don't really know what we're arresting you for yet, but we'll figure it out. So the charges can obviously come later, right? Yep. Oh, boy, if you've got a story you want to share with us about uh, police malfeasance, 800-259-9231, there certainly is no shortage of them. Whether it be drug war corruption or itchy trigger fingers, these cops are out of control. Let's go to the phones, talk to Jeremy in Montana, excuse me, Jeremiah in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, Jeremiah. How do you do? Hey, what's on your mind? Yeah, it's a good thing that guy didn't have a firearm, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah they'd who, have killed him. Who knows what would have right. happened then. Or uh, he might have uh, taken someone out. Uh, it's a good thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't don't have firearms. And um, don't call the cops. Right, yeah, don't call the cops. Right. You get in bigger trouble, don't you? You sure do. So what's shot. on your, your mind tonight? I, I uh, was listening to uh, I listen to talk radio strictly and uh, a late program. A guy called in one night and had some information about a car he had seen in Europe, and I can't recall the name of it. Uh, it fits four adults. It goes over 100 miles an hour. It uh, costs fifteen thousand dollars, and it gets 157 miles per gallon and wow. runs on diesel. Hmm. And he had asked. Why is that vehicle not here in the United States? And uh, the host of the show said, well, you know, there's oil lobbyists here, and we have a government, and that's why it's not here. And do you know anything about this vehicle? I don't, but there certainly have been plenty of stories over time about, uh, you know, new energy sources and uh, revolutionary designs in, in the automotive world. Uh, so it's hard for me to comment. The closest thing I've ever heard to it is uh, the old uh, VW diesel that was out there, and, and that got something like 50 miles to the gallon. Um, you could put four people in them, but they wouldn't be very big people. So I don't know. That would be a. I think that'd be a better question for like a car show on the weekend yeah, or something I just don't like know. that. Because we're just not automotive experts in that way. But there are some interesting, uh, you know, developments in the world of uh, fueling cars out there. I saw a story on uh, the news. Uh, on online, it was a YouTube of it. There, they were reporting on some inventor who really seemed to have figured out a way to power things with water. I mean, right. it was uh, it was a pretty amazing story. So I think that you know, the the government is obviously standing in the way to some extent of uh, allowing the marketplace to operate 
as far as as far as energy sources are concerned and discovering new energy sources and and promoting that uh, but if we can get the government out of the way then i think all of these developments would happen a lot sooner of course that's well, not going to happen anytime soon unless ron paul right. gets elected which yeah. we're working on that uh there's also a movie that i just recently heard about that i haven't seen yet it's called uh, uh who killed the electric car and uh anybody that's listening is interested in that uh, apparently there was an electric car that was available at one time and actually was out there, and they pulled it back and took the car back and put it out of commission because it was too efficient and darn or maintenance free. Yeah, it sounds like one of those conspiracy, uh, you know, conspiracy movies. And we've certainly had those calls before about the, you know, the the, the inventor who comes up with the the solution to running yeah. a car off of water or electricity, and then all of a sudden, you know, men in black suits show up and uh, they offer him a bunch of cash or they threaten to kill him if he doesn't take the money or whatever. And right. you know, or, there's all kinds of stories out there like that. And a lot of them are, you know, urban legends. They're sort of passed down and usually hear it from somebody who claims to know one of the people, but you can never actually really verify it. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Private fire protection. Some people believe it's impossible. It can't happen. It, uh, we need government around to protect us, from our houses, from burning to the ground. But, Mark, you've got a story that might just counteract that uh, popular opinion. Yeah, I think we all know better. Here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there for free. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, then you should become a Free Talk Live amplifier, as have done a number of our listeners. Go to, uh, go to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up, get uh, more information about the program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is simple. It's that you send in 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and promote the show. We get on more radio stations across the country and thereby spread the message of liberty and freedom as far, as wide, and as fast as possible. And you get perks, too, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, amp-only chat room forum, and more. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com, amp.freetalklive.com. And do you need a new computer but don't seem to have the money or credit to buy one? MyPCCredit.com is your answer. Finance top-quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks and no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start from just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com as we go to the phones to talk to George in Alberta. You're on Free Talk Live, George. Hello. How are you doing, gentlemen? Hey, great. What's on your mind? Well, you know, I just thought I'd call and tell you a little story uh, about what happens when cops finally do get caught. Okay. Here in Canada, you got to understand first that we've got three levels of policing everywhere, right? We have the municipal police, the provincial police, and then we have the federal police, right? The Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Got it. Now, when I was a kid in South Shore, Montreal, a little town called Chambly, 300,000 people, eh? It was common knowledge amongst all the kids that the cops were crooked. Things, you know how kids are, eh? selling little dime bags of pot here and there. They get busted, and next thing you know, they're back out on the street, and they still got their pot. Hmm, and we really? used to know that the cops would bust you, take your pot, and sell it back to you. Eh? That and this went on for years and years and years. And you'd talk to your parents, you'd talk to the school principals, and they go, oh, no, no, come on. The bullies, they're here to serve and protect. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, good story. And when you're young and stupid, you know, like a child, you believe that stuff. Right. Eventually enough people got tired that they got the provincial police involved and they started investigating the municipal police. Mm -hmm. And uh, make a long story short, the provincial police were crooked too. 
And they finally <laughs> called in the, the federal police, and they had a huge investigation, fired the entire police force. Since wow. I was a kid, 17 years old, they'd been on the take. It was common knowledge. It took 30 years before something finally got done. And they got busted, and they all did a little bit of time. But, you know, if you got busted with a joint on the street, you did seven years right now, no questions asked. Mm. The cops are crooked around the board everywhere. And you still talk to people and go, oh, you know, you've got to be careful with cops. They go, oh, no, no, come on, they're here to serve and protect, and they'll taser <laughs> you while you're sleeping. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, even if they did catch some of them, it just means that there's new uh, roles to be filled and uh, new people to be corrupted. It's just well, a... you see, that's the thing. The corruption, it seems, uh, when I was a kid, it used to be that you were, were believing that people were honest until they did something that made them dishonest. You trusted people until they gave you a reason to distrust them. Right. Now, in order to survive, you've got to distrust everybody, and people have to really work hard to earn trust, eh? Yeah. Because the people we're here to serve and protect, they're not here to serve and protect. There are people like you and me, they just happen to have big guns and small penises, and they take it out on them. <laughs> uh, you know what, you're right. Uh, except, well, there's only one thing you're wrong about. They mm. are here to serve and protect, but they're here to serve and protect themselves and the system. See, they're not interested in protecting you. They're interested in oh, protecting the state. Not. And if you look at the U U.S. Supreme Court, uh, four and a half, five years ago, there was a big case that went up. Someone, I forget who it was, uh, one of the states sued the federal government uh, over the entire concept of police are here to serve and protect. Mm. And uh, the U.S. Supreme Court said, no, police have absolutely no dirty duty to serve and protect. You've got They're it. here simply to enforce the law. And that's a ruling in your USA, eh? and it oh, trickled yeah. down here to Canada, and they made the same ruling a few years ago. Police do not have a duty to serve and protect you. That's they correct. have a duty to fight crime and enforce the law. They, uh, now, to serve and protect, it used to be when we were kids, if you got in trouble, you call the cops. You call the cops now, you get in trouble no matter what. Right. They want to, they want to arrest somebody. If, you get, if the cop yep. gets called to your house, they want to come back with somebody in handcuffs. Absolutely. It's a because sickness. If they don't, they're pussies. Eh? Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. <laughs> 800-259-9231. He's absolutely right. Uh, they are not here for your benefit. They're here for their benefit. They're here for the benefit and protection of the state, of whatever state you're in, of the government that uh, you are subjected to. They are the enforcers. They're not your protectors. I wish it were different. I wish we had peace officers who actually cared about liberty and freedom and you know understood those concepts and got the Constitution. But no, none of those things are required to become a police officer. All you have to do is be able to follow orders without question. And, and I'm not saying that all cops are bad. I know there's some good cops out there. But the fact is the I system is bad. In, in a lot of ways, they, um, the good cops are weeded out. And they're, yes. if, if they, if, you know, in a lot of cases, um, cops are good in spite of their leadership, not because of it. It's true. Uh, so, again, it, it, this is all going on, and he's right. They're corrupt at all levels. In fact, I was just looking at a story uh, over the break from ABC News. A federal grand jury has voted to indict former New York City Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick on charges stemming from the acceptance of free rent and apartment renovations, tax evasion, and lying on his application for the job as head of Department of Homeland Security, say uh, two federal sources. The article goes on for pages to enumerate this man's malfeasance. He's, called, he's been called America's cop. This is one of the top cops in America who's now been indicted on federal corruption charges. Hmm.
So it's just all across the board. And, you know, what's interesting is that we talk about market solutions, or, or I talk about market solutions as a an option, something that we should seriously look at to replace government police, to, to have some sort of market-based uh, setup where there are actually, there's actually some level of competition for protection services instead of this monopolistic organization known as government cops. And people get very, very frightened by that idea. Oh, no. People like me. No, we need government cops. They keep us safe. But the fact is, they don't. And they don't have an obligation to do so. And uh, George is absolutely right. The Supreme Court has has come out with that decision over and over again. It wasn't just one decision. They've reinforced that several times and made it very clear that the cops don't have an obligation to protect you. So that's just all a fantasy and a smokescreen and essentially nothing more than a public relations marketing concept. Uh, and, the, you know, the fact is, if you don't like their service, if you don't like what they're doing, if you don't like the way your police are behaving in your area, tough. There's nothing you can do about it. Oh, sure, you can elect a new sheriff who, of course, will promise to, oh, clean up the department. Just elect me. Trust me, I've got 10 years of experience on the force or 25 years of experience. I'll be your new sheriff. Nothing ever changes. Nothing fundamental actually ever really changes. Sure, one or two cops will go to jail from time to time because they just, you know, got caught on video beating somebody or audio tape or whatever. You know, they got caught to the point where the cops couldn't possibly defend them. So there are a couple of cops that are occasionally sacrificed uh, to make it look like something's actually changing, but nothing ever changes. The cops continue to go on enforcing bad laws, continuing to ruin people's lives that don't deserve it, like the guy they tasered for laying or for sleeping on his own couch, or the 82-year-old woman who was tasered, or the 90-year-old woman in Atlanta that was shot to death. I mean, we can just go on and on and on. There are plenty of reasons for people to be upset and angry about the police, but there's no market-based mechanism for them to do anything about it. Whereas if, it, if we actually had market protection services and protection agencies, any protection agency that was outed as having some sort of level of corruption, of course, they'd all have to be getting their money on a voluntary basis in the first place, so the, the, uh, the level of corruption would be limited right off the bat because they wouldn't be guaranteed the paychecks and guaranteed the government budgets. They'd have to actually earn the money that they were getting in. But even if it turned out that some of their employees were scummy or you know uh, dirty in some way, then if that company didn't make a, di- make a change to immediately get rid of those employees instead of this sort of dog and pony show of, oh, we're investigating them, and then you know a month later they come back and say, they didn't do anything wrong. You know, Instead of all that, they'd actually have to make a change. If they didn't, their customers would go somewhere else. That's what policing needs is it needs some level of accountability and competition that it just doesn't have well you know i'm not i'm sure that private police departments or private security companies would come with their own set of problems that we currently don't have to deal with because we have government police but i would say to you that what like what what problems I, I, you know, it's difficult for me to say. What if there were some disputes between you and I? I had a security force. You had a security force. We have to, uh, you know, for some reason or another, they have to clash. Arbitration. What if they don't arbitrate? What if they shoot each other instead? Well, that would be costly and it would be silly. It's uh, economically, it's not economically feasible to do that sort of thing. How are they held to this arbitration? Uh, well, they have agreements uh, in the same way yeah, that insurance I, I don't really, companies... I don't really want to talk about free market solutions. Yeah. I want to talk about solutions for police. And um, one of the problems with police are, uh, you know, it's it's the money. It's it's all about the money. And the money comes into play because of vice, vice crimes, uh, drugs, prostitution, and, uh, you know, guns or whatever, gambling, those kind of things. If the cops aren't enforcing these things, which as far as I'm concerned, they have no business enforcing vice crimes at all... 
if they weren't enforcing those, the money wouldn't be involved, and you wouldn't sure, see but, the level of cor- corruption that you currently I agree do. with you, but Bernard Carrick wasn't brought up on drug-related charges. The money that he was accepting was like perks for being you know, a good cop or whatever. I don't know what the reasons were they got him, but he got all kinds of perks and things he wasn't supposed to get and did all sorts of things that were illegal for him to do, but he did anyway because he's a cop and he can. Uh, more of the way, Hour three's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Again, as we go right into the phone calls here, show is about your calls. Let's start things out to the amplifier line. And Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee. Hello, Gene. Hey, uh, I'm going to talk about police horror stories. But first, has anybody noticed that diesel diesel prices have gone up 50 cents in a week other than me? Well, I don't buy diesel, so I have not, no. And gas has gone up a little bit, too, but yeah. Gas has gone up about 35 cents here, but... uh, Wow. It, the diesel has gone up, 50, taken a 50-cent leap in one week. Huh. And uh, this is just getting into the heating season. We're gonna, that's going to cause quite a, bit of, put quite a bit of damper on the Christmas season, I'm afraid. Yeah, I bet you're right. But anyway, uh, police horror stories. Yesterday, my wife was on the phone talking to an associate of ours who happens to be a doctor, but he's from India. And... Uh, she was talking to him as she hears all this commotion going on. And then the phone falls on the, on the ground, and then she hears some more stuff, and then a little later the, the signal goes dead. She's trying to say, hello, hello, what's going on? Hmm. And uh, so she calls back. All she gets is the voicemail, and uh, later on uh, she finds out the story. This guy had gone through an intersection where they had a police officer directing traffic for the little kitties, you know, mm-hmm. as they go to school in the morning. Um, th- this intersection also had a stoplight. So he's sitting there at the light, and he's busy talking on the phone, so he's not really paying close attention. The light turns green, and he takes off. And the cop panics, has a, has, you know, has, literally has a cow that this guy is trying to go through the light when it turns green. So he hollers at him, and then I guess he stopped the car, and that was probably his big mistake. Should have just kept going, I think. <laughs> but anyway, he stopped the car, and a guy, a police officer, comes over there just screaming at the top of his lungs, grabs him out of the car, and this is a doctor, and he's saying, you know, he's telling him, hey, hey, I'm a doctor, you know, I'm going to the hospital, I got a patient, I got, I've got patients, I've got a seat, mm-hmm. and he just, the cop doesn't care about any of this stuff. Sure. He, pulls the guy out of the car, and he winds up arresting him and taking him to jail. And the guy had to bail himself out, and then eventually later in the day he got back to his his business. But, I mean, this cop is totally out of hand. And behind this guy was another friend of his who was also uh, a doctor. Mm -hmm. So he was a witness to the whole thing. And I guess this doctor guy is going to go after these... uh, this, this cop. What was the charge? Do you have any idea? I don't. I have yet to find out what the charge so, was. So, wait, was your wife on the phone with him while he was in the car or when he was at the while office? He was getting, while he was getting pulled out of the car. Okay. My wife was on the phone with him. Wow. And uh, he, she didn't know what was going on. She just hears this commotion, and then the phone kind of 
hits the ground, and then she hears some more, you know, stuff going on, and then uh, the phone signal went dead, and she tries calling back and just gets the voicemail. So, yeah, she was on the phone talking to him, and there was right behind him driving another doctor. I guess they were driving together to the hospital or mm. something. I'm not sure what the arrangement was, but he was a witness to this whole thing. And it, it's just these cops are just out of control. They, they are. They're high on a power trip. Adrenaline rush. Now, this might wind up with this cop getting fired because there is there is two people. You know, my wife was a witness on the phone, but that's not going to be a lot of help. But right. what would be more of a help is the other doctor who was behind him who saw the whole thing. It's too bad he didn't have a have one of those driving video cameras. Yeah, you know, I don't know, Gene. I mean, I understand they're doctors and they're, you know, reliable and everything, but uh, I don't think that uh, just looking at the history of cops and accusations against them, very it seems unlikely that he's going to get fired. I mean, well, he didn't beat the guy, so... It's going to take a lot of work to get him fired, but I think that, you know, this guy's got a little bit of cash that he can put into it, and I think that he's going to cause quite a bit of trouble for this cop. We'll see. Now, let us Let us know what happens. Is, the problem is, even if the cop gets fired, there's ten more guys ready to step into his shoes sure. and do the same darn thing. Yep, and, there's uh, always some new recruits that are being, uh, you know, indoctrinated into the system, into the thin blue line, into their little club. And uh, the fact is, the, these positions of power attract the easily corruptible or the already corrupt and those in search of power over others. It attracts other people, too, right. that want to make a difference. Do, yeah, people who want to make a difference. Uh, but the fact is, you don't know who they are. You don't know right. who the good ones are. They don't wear a little badge that says, good cop, bad cop. Uh, so you have to presume they're all bad until proven otherwise. Well, they have a badge. That shows they're a badge. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gene. All we right. appreciate the story. And keep us in the, uh, in the loop if anything else happens with that case. Thanks for the call. Right. 800-259-9231. Just out of control. Yeah. Let's continue. I, I don't know. I'd like to hear all the, the circumstances, but... You can bring up anything, John, in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, John. Um, Hello? Uh, can you hear me? <laughs> We've got you, John. What's on your mind? That was weird. Um... Let's see, I'm a happy camper today. Dennis Kucinich uh, has initiated impeachment proceedings um, against uh, President or Vice President Dick Cheney. Yes. Oh, okay, great. Have you have you guys talked about that yet tonight? No, I heard. I think I heard something about it a day ago or two days ago. Uh, I didn't really think anything would happen with it, so I don't know. Do you think it actually has a chance of uh, going through? Um, the article I read just said that. Um, you know, everybody needs to call. <laughs> I don't think it has a, a snowball's chance in hell. Dennis Kucinich is, uh, you know, he's sponsored lots of bills that have gone nowhere. Um, you know, he's he's sort of a fringe guy like Ron Paul is in the, the House. And um, there's lots of reasons to respect him. But, you know, I, I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, well, certainly, uh, I, I'm sure our listeners and the news people will uh, keep an eye on the situation, and if it actually develops, we'll certainly bring you more information. It's hard for me to get too excited. I mean, it's I, it's good that he did that. Uh, but well, they got rid of Alberto Gonzalez, but look who they're putting in um, in his place. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's no real fundamental change that would happen, even if they impeached both Dick Cheney and President Bush. Nothing would change in Washington D.C. It's just more symbolic than anything else. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. It put a smile on my face. So. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes these days to be positive, you know, whatever it takes. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231 to Joe calling from somewhere in the Internet. Joe, you're on the line. What's up? Joe, in cyberspace. Hello. Hi, I'm a medical marijuana user. Okay. Excellent. And Excellent. I want to share my experience and my uh, uh, 
brief about it. Please, um, why are you a medical marijuana user? I suffer from infrequent, well, it's more and more frequent, but it's not continual chronic pain. Mm. Uh, some days I can't work because of the pain, and some days uh, it's just I need something to help manage the pain. Mm-hmm. Is it and all over? Just constant, just, is it all over your body or any specific area? In specific areas. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a back and neck problem. Is it like a, like a sharp biting pain or a dull sort of flat pain? It's either or both at times. Hmm. Sometimes it's excruciating. If anyone's ever had a spinal headache, that's how bad it can get. I've never had that, but it sounds awful. So it will sound bad. And you want to throw up, and sometimes you feel like you'd rather die. So at what point did you figure out that marijuana was helpful for you? Well, I didn't know. I I've only smoked uh, marijuana once before uh, before this, and smoking really probably isn't the best way anyway. Get a vaporizer. Yeah, or food. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, I didn't know that I whether it would help me or not, and it was difficult for me to find a doctor that would even discuss the issue. Well, and now, is Michigan one of the uh, medical states? I don't believe Michigan is. If it was, you'd probably know about it. Okay, I don't think it is either. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, the, you can find out. It's easy enough to find out on the Internet which yeah. ones they are. Uh, normal, I think, will have a good sure. reference sure. to that. In any case, I didn't really know. I My attitude, always having been a libertarian, was that whether people wanted to use it for medicine or recreationally, it was their business. Absolutely. But I've My always found it infuriating that other people who don't know anything about it would want to keep people from being able to have the best possible medicine and possibly in some ways the cheapest possible medicine in order to deal with their condition. It is a shocker, and it is, uh, it's something that d- just defies explanation. I agree. Right. But I do want to tell you, is that the music? Yes, and I want to hear more of your story, so hang on. Okay. 800-259-9231. I, I, just, I am absolutely entranced by people that tell medical marijuana stories, because I just find them so compelling. I find them so uh, just interesting and important for people to hear and understand that this is a drug that really helps people. This isn't just somebody BSing you as to why they want to smoke pot to get high. It really helps more in the way. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, totally free, including the Shrine of Female listeners. The dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. The Federal Reserve is stealing your money. It's time for you to, uh, to inflation-proof your money. Go to America's second most popular currency, the Liberty Dollar, 100% backed and 100% redeemable in gold and silver. Go to LibertyDollar.org. Stop using their money, start using the Liberty Dollar, and return America to value $1 at a time. LibertyDollar.org. 800-259-9231. We go back to Joe uh, calling from somewhere out there. Uh, Joe, who is a who is a uh, medical marijuana user, and I don't know why, for some reason, I thought you were in Michigan. It was actually the last caller that was in Michigan. Um, but you um, you use medical marijuana because you have, as you describe it, chronic pain. How long have you had the chronic pain? Uh, it progressively got worse throughout my life, but um, 
uh, it really got bad about three or four years ago. Um, I, I was seeing the the chiropractor regularly mm. and uh, the uh, osteopath, and one of the osteopaths uh, pointed out that I could have had a, a real serious injury that had been undetected and sent me to get uh, mm. an X-ray, and the X-ray was inconclusive, so I got an MRI, and then we found out the problem that I had was essentially uh, crushed discs in the neck. Yeah. Oh, boy. And they weren't really crushed, but the place in the neck is a really common place where, where it gets hurt, mm-hmm. and that causes um, uh, nerve blockages in the arm, and it causes muscle spasms in the arm and shoulder, and general pain in that area of the back and neck. So you were just beginning to tell us about uh, what it was that, I guess, brought you on track to try medical marijuana for your problems. Right. Medical marijuana was available in my state for years, and like I said, I wasn't particularly a proponent of it any more than any other libertarian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, my attitude was really one of uh, uh, returning marijuana to a weed sure. uh, legally. And, uh, you know, nothing, nothing, probably no mention in any law books at all is what I would prefer. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, um, I had a, a, a kind of a laissez-faire attitude toward it, uh, but I wasn't interested in it for myself. And I went um, 30 years with, over 30 years, almost 40 years, without ever touching it. And uh, I guess almost 30 years, without ever touching it. And I just wasn't interested, having tried it once, uh, I just didn't want anything like that. And uh, then when I found out that uh, it was possibly going to help me, um, even though I'd had trouble with other kinds of medications, basically the, uh, well, let me finish the sentence and I'll go back. Mm -hmm. Um, When I found out it was possibly going to help me, then I became intrigued and looked into it. I kind of waffled for about a year after I'd been diagnosed, and then finally I decided to look into it. Now, um, I began to say the -the over-the-counter medications, really only have effect on a marginally bad day. You know, one is just a little worse than when I'm feeling good. Mm-hmm. Um, then it gets to the point where over-the-counter uh, medications can't help and I can't concentrate and I feel sick and I can't do anything at all. Mm-hmm. Then I had a choice of taking the pain pill that was described or prescribed for me or um, just, uh, you know, going to sleep, trying to get some some sleep or something if I could, a lot of these times when I should have been working, mm-hmm. and I mean, if I was feeling well, of course. Um, so then uh, when I tried the uh, cannabis, and I, I try not to use the word marijuana, I really only used it for um, the familiarity of it. Sure. You may know, of course, that marijuana, the term, was actually used to make people, uh, to associate it with uh, lower classes of people. Yes, it's uh, it's more of a, like a slang term, um, and uh, of course it's uh, you're absolutely right. That is the history of the term. They right. wanted people to think of blacks and Mexicans. Right. Yeah, and uh, it's really cannabis. That's what it was called before. Cannabis tinctures were available. Uh, food was available, and more recently now vapor vapor has been available through mm-hmm. vaporizers. Uh, in addition to the smoking it, which is probably the least helpful way to eat it or to take it. So you said that uh, you know it'd been a year since, until you you'd had your diagnosis for a year until you decided to go ahead and give the the medical marijuana a try. Um, did you go to a doctor? Got a prescription? Yeah. I went to my regular doctor first, and I said, you know, I'm 
we have this program, and I don't really like asking government per permission for things, but I want to give it a try. He said, well, you know, uh, I didn't get to speak with him personally, but I, the people that I spoke with on the phone trying to get a referral to a pain management specialist mm -hmm. um, said, well, we don't really know anybody that will call you back. And they threw me a name, and then I called the pain management specialist, oh, we don't do that. Hmm. So then I got on the Internet, and I finally found out uh, who I could talk to in my area. And um, naturally, because it's been, it's a gray, it's not a gray market, because a gray market is already a term, and it's not a black market, because it's not illegal in the state for patients. Right. But because it's like a black market, because of the federal issues, it's hard to find anybody. Everybody's afraid of the feds. Sure. And so finally I did find somebody. And, and frankly, what I tried first was um, getting, getting some illegally on the street. And I tried that, and uh, it did seem as though it could be helpful at that point, even though I didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, basically didn't know how to handle it, and uh, I smoked too much, and I didn't really know enough. Uh, but I did finally uh, uh, get a feel for it and decided it could be helpful, and that's when I'd gone to the doctor. Uh, so what did uh, I mean? What was the difference for you? I mean, when you actually tried this out and you and it worked. I mean, what was uh, how dramatic was it? Noticeable? I mean, what can you describe well, it, the feeling? Here's the thing. First of all, there there are several different ways to take it, and there are several different reasons to take it. Mm -hmm. Now, in my case, uh, the best reason to take it is because I either need to be able to think through the pain or I need to be able to tolerate the pain. And if I need to t think through the pain and it's not serious, then I can take a tincture. And if I take a tincture, you know, that's uh, dissolved in alcohol. Right. If I take a tincture, then if I put it under my tongue and it's, and it's not really serious pain, but it's, it's enough that I can't think, mm -hmm. about five or ten seconds, I'll probably be able to go back to normal. Seconds. Wow. I can still feel the pain, but it doesn't make me lose my concentration. Wow, that is amazing. I, I'm now, shocked that it acts that fast. Now, you may find it interesting. I find it tremendously ironic that I can concentrate better when I have it in my system. Hmm. Now, that's not always true, of course. If I need a lot of it, I may not be able to concentrate better, but then I get relief from pain. Amazing. Um, but the main thing, the most exciting thing about it, is that I can think better with a, tinc with a tincture when the pain isn't too bad. And there's one reason for that, and that's that a tincture is not derived by using heat. And, and so right. all the substances that are in the plant go into the alcohol. Sure, and so you're actually getting the uh, you know the THC or whatever else is in there without the combustion aspect and it, and it's making a difference for you and the smoke and that's and not the smoke is not there and the vaporizer of course is another way to deliver that as and well. The THC is partially blocked. Interesting story. Thank you for calling. We appreciate it. I, I it's just always amazing hearing uh, medical marijuana stories. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got archives, so if you've missed a moment of the show, just go and download it for free right there on the front page of our website. There's no logging in. There's no mandatory anything. You just click and download. It's freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. As we go to the phones and do the fun, let's talk to Nick in Kentucky. Nick, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Nick. Nick in hey, Kentucky. What up? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, uh, well, one, paying taxes gives me a... Uh Final headache. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, so I just wanted to uh, tell you a quick story and then pose a question for you. All right, sure. All right, story is uh, I'm a I'm a Christian and uh, and I am a Ron Paul supporter. Hmm. And it's just funny how recently I've um, gotten into the uh, whole Ron Paul revolution. And I tell my friends all the time, uh, you know, we were at a um, event the other night. And it's much Christians around, and I, all I said was, you know, hey, did you know what the uh, law was concerning marijuana? And uh, I don't smoke marijuana myself, but of course, around a bunch of Christians, they're, oh my gosh, marijuana! You can't talk about you know? marijuana. Yeah, and I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. The point is, as I said, Ron Paul, and as soon as I mentioned Ron Paul, a bunch of people said, Ron Paul, that guy's crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Because he's for liberty? Mm-hmm. I mean, and freedom? I don't understand. I mean, because if the things that you want to do in your life, uh, you know, the government's just going to come down harder and harder. And one of these days, you know, the, as so-called respectables, you know, just because they're, you know, young Christian white males, you know, that nothing happens to them. But one of these days, you know, they're going to understand that it doesn't matter if you, your beliefs, and Ron Paul has said, said this uh, numerous times, it doesn't matter what he believes or someone else believes, it's the fact that government should have nothing to do with it. Yeah, it's true. Well, what do they say when you, uh, you know, re- did you retort that, you know, he just believes in liberty? What's crazy about that? I mean, what was their response? Well, well, nothing really. I mean, because they can't. How can they argue with that? Uh, right. that someone someone started throwing out the uh, the war, and ironically, I mean, as a Christian person, they were thinking, yeah, we should be over there. We should be helping these people. And I'm like, well, helping who? It's always if the government benefits. I mean, there's plenty of countries uh, that have... Uh, dictators or people who have been raped and people mm-hmm. have been killed. I mean, do we go over there? No, it's only the people, uh, it's only the countries that, you know, we have a uh, objective and whether, you know, getting rich somehow, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just, it was a strange. I mean, and then I had to actually, you know, quiet them all down because there's probably about 20 of them. And I was just saying, you know what, I'm not going to get anywhere right now, but just, you know, research it yourself. Look at Ron Paul's history. Look at what's going to happen if you, if you don't vote Ron Paul in. I mean, so... Good for you. I mean, that's wow. what you've got to do. You've got to let people know that people that they respect and uh, and like are in support of Ron Paul, and that will hopefully get them over the hump that they think he's some crazy wackaloon. Because if you support him and you're not crazy, then maybe uh, maybe he is worth a second look or worth yeah. a closer look. Exactly, and it's the way the media portrays him anyway. I mean, lately he's gotten obviously a little uh, better media coverage, and especially yeah. with the whole. Uh, Four point two million dollars that he raised on on the fifth, right? Um, and and so again, people just say, oh, that's just you know, well, you know, I'm like, what do you mean? They they can't really come up with a logical answer to, <laughs> right. to rebut anything. I'm like, 
it doesn't make any sense. They just want to they just want to argue about something. I guess I don't know what mm-hmm. the problem is, but um, it seems like a lot of Ron Paul supporters, I mean, have their head on their shoulders, and I just appreciate that. I think you're right. What was your question? Uh, the question was is uh, um, I've I've not really into the whole politics. I wasn't before, um, but again, it's just you have to be at this moment because. If you want to be free, you kind of have to get into it, and not necessarily get into the politics of it, but because you have to research it a little bit. And my question was, is I didn't really know, because one of the big things is the IRS. You know, I hate paying taxes, and I'm sure everybody else does. You know, mm-hmm. um, that, that's a big selling point with a lot of people. I mean, who doesn't? Who wants to pay taxes? You know, not many. Um, well, there's a few people, but not many. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the other thing I was going to ask is, is if he's president. I mean, how how is that? I just don't know how that works. Like, does he have the authority, the power to just say, "I'm going to wipe out the IRS, I'm going to wipe out the DA, I'm going to do all that kind of stuff"? As I, mean, I understand it, he does not. Uh, that's based on I was watching an interview of him. Uh, he was talking with the Nashua Telegraph editorial board, and that question did come up, and he mm-hmm. made it clear that he would need the cooperation of Congress in order to do something like that. Um, but he pointed out that if Ron Paul is elected, if he gets elected, then that sends a message to the rest of Congress that the the tides are turning and that they better get with the program on this whole liberty thing. Um, I think what he might be able to do, and, and this is just me speculating, okay, uh, what he mm-hmm. might be able to do is maybe essentially make it so the IRS uh, is neutered to some extent in that you know they, <laughs> they couldn't go after people anymore, maybe issue some sort of executive order. It's that, my understanding that uh, you know under the Clinton administration, the IRS was uh, much more lax in its uh, auditing yeah. than uh, under the Bush administration. So it, I would say that he does have some power there. Yeah, he may have some options, but as far as abolishing the entire agency, that doesn't seem to be something that he can do on his own. Okay. Well, like I said, that was kind of just the question I had because people, people, you know, I hate it when I'm, I'm somewhat of a, I call myself a wannabe know-it-all <laughs> because, I mean, you can't know it all, but uh, I research everything and, and I can't be that person who says, oh, I don't know. I'm just ignorant because I just don't, you know, I never looked it up. So Thirsty for that knowledge. one of the questions that one of my friends had said, well, I mean, how is he going to buy, he doesn't even have the power to do that. And I'm like, uh... Well, That's true. He doesn't. Um, but what he does have the power to do is bring the troops home from around the world immediately, uh, from all around the world, the 700-plus military bases, the 135 countries they occupy, bring them home and uh, probably uh, you know, save, a, save quite a bit of money as far as the expenditures uh, for you know, sending those troops all around the world. So yeah, that well, would thank be... goodness, because I am in the military, and I'm, getting, I'm going to Iraq in, on uh, December 15th. Yikes. Yeah, well, and, uh, but hey, be you careful. know what's funny? I get tax-free money when I'm over there. <laughs> tax free. They don't yeah. take taxes out when you're there. Why? Nope. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't know why the whole. I've never really questioned. It. I mean, I'm like, oh, cool, tax free money. Um, but yeah, whenever you're over there, you get. Um, it's all tax free. Whenever you're in a, uh, a another country, in a sense, I guess for the operation Iraqi Freedom during Freedom, any, mm. anything like that, it's all tax free money. Save as much of that money as you can because you're going to need it when you get out of the military. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. How I long know, do you have left? Um, it. I have until 2012. Ooh, I know it sucks. Mm. Um, unless I don't want to get my teeth fixed, and <laughs> I'm good. All right, man. Well, uh, well. Good luck. Hope you. Hopefully, you stay alive. Maybe Ron Paul will get yep. elected and bring you home sooner rather than later. And uh, thanks. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. All right.
800-259-9231. You know, if you're ever asked a question by somebody and you don't know the answer, it's okay to to say that. Um, and I think that's what he said, but it's it's okay to tell the person, look, that's a great question. I'm not really sure what the answer is, but I'll do my best to find out and, and get back to you on that. Of course, right. the good thing about being a libertarian the is... Thing, well, the thing about Ron Paul as a candidate is he actually gives answers to these questions, whereas the rest of the candidates dance around right. them. And I think that that's one of the ways that uh, people, you know, that, that they think, Ron Paul's crazy. Well, yeah, he kind of acts a little crazy compared to the rest of the candidates who just spew lies. Yeah. You know, telling the truth does look crazy in a world of uh, candidates spewing lies. So the good thing about being a libertarian is that you're able to answer most questions Right off the bat, even if you don't have an intricate knowledge of the subject matter, you know, somebody asks you, well, what about this government program? What should be done with it? Well, we should probably get rid of it because of blah, blah, blah. I mean, it really, uh, it's great. That's one of the reasons why we're so effective on the air doing this show is we don't have to know all the internal workings of the government programs to, to understand that there's something inherently wrong with the entire system. And that is that government is force. And, of course, it's just not nice to use force on your neighbors to get them to do things. Uh, for instance, here in, in Keene, there's a proposal apparently on the table to create a historic district, oh, which good. means that uh, essentially a, a portion, most of the center of Keene will be deemed as historic. You can't tear down any buildings. You can't do anything unless you go to some planning board and beg their permission mm. to uh, to make a change to your property. That's what they're proposing right now. And, you know, again, it's just this idea that... If you want to do something, it's easier to just go to the government and have them threaten your neighbors in order to get them to behave in the way that you want them to, rather than being creative and innovative and you know going around and buying the properties and protecting them in the way you think is best. It's just, uh, it's sad. More on the way, you can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, totally free. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. If you enter Amazon through that link, anything you purchase, we get a percentage. Same great prices, same great free Super Saver shipping deals on a whole bunch of items, 41 categories to shop in. It's Amazon, the world's largest Internet retailer. Just start your shopping through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Make it a habit. Whenever you got to buy something online, go check their prices. I, I'm telling you, you'll be blown away. Go into, the, go into the big box retail stores and find an item, and then go find the same item on Amazon. Nine times out of ten, it'll be cheaper on Amazon. So not only will you get a better deal, but Free Talk Live gets a percentage of the sale if you start at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. As we go to the phones to Matt in Illinois on the Amplifier line. Hello, Matt. Good evening. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, you spoke a couple of things the last couple of minutes. I know I told you I was going to talk about uh, the electric car, but first off with Ron Paul. He was on CNBC tonight, did a great interview. My mom called me up about him and said, oh, he's not as radical as I thought he was. <laughs> Um, second thing about the uh, historic societies, I was in a old village in, in a town called Geneva, out in Illinois, which has houses that have been converted into uh, kind of antique stores. Mm-hmm. And I talked to the lady that owned the store. She was telling me all about his historic societies. And to make a long story short, she was not allowed to cut two inches off of a window so that she could fit a modern air conditioner in her window 
hmm. and save money on electricity. Wow. So, yeah, so these people don't care about nothing. They nope. don't care about modernization of any kind. The woman has to pay probably during the summer probably 30, 40 bucks a, um, a month extra to run this old-fashioned air conditioner that's spewing out all kinds of pollution and stuff. Right, too. wow. You know, you know, and it, it just doesn't matter as long as these old buildings, these uh, bits of stick, wood, metal, and glass are preserved. Right, and I think that the people in New Hampshire ought to know that. They ought to be aware of that. Absolutely. By the way, the attitude of the central planner here, the director, the planning director, whatever his title is, was he was asked um, by the newspaper reporter in town who's doing a story on this, who'd asked me for comment, which is why I'm even aware of this going on. Uh, he said, well, you know, aren't you concerned that this is going to be a bit of a, you know, uh, you're going to be ro- running roughshod over, over property rights? And he says, well, it's for the common good. Well, no, it's not. It's for his his own pocket. That's what it's for. Well, it's you know, and it's really kind of uh, it's quite an ad. It really reveals the attitude of people like him. You know, people like him. They've gone through their uh, government. Uh, they've gone to the the colleges and they've gotten their education and they believe that they know how everything should work and that they're so well educated and so smart about city planning and they know everything. And the little people, these little property owners. <laughs> What do they know? Hey, I'm the educated one. I'm the city planner. My vision is what's good for society. I know what's good for the public. How do you know anything? You're just a little peon. This is the attitude of these people. I mean, they're not so overt about it, but that's sort of what was hidden in that statement of, oh, well, you know, we just have to sacrifice things for the common good. Well, who who are you? And who anointed you the decider of what is and what is not for the common good? It's really quite... Quite an attitude. Yeah, and uh, according to this woman that I was talking to, the people didn't even live in the town <laughs> that were telling her not to do this. Yeah. Anyway, about who killed the electric car, and the reason I brought this up is, uh, Ian, you said something about how it was conspiracy theory. That sounded like and, a conspiracy somebody theory. Somebody, this was a car. This is a movie about a car called the EV1 made in 1996 by GM. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's General Motors... Big car company. They gave out, I think, 150 of them. I'm just throwing out numbers. I'm not. Don't hold me to the numbers. I'm. I'm just throwing out what I remember. Okay. Uh, 150 of them. They've got something like 200 miles to a charge. So you could drive the car for 200 miles before you had to plug it back in. No noise. Wow. No pollution. Went fast. Uh, they had them on the road for a year or two. I'm not even sure about how long they had them on the road. 465 were produced, um, and uh, they were in both 99 and 2000. Well, well 99 and 2000. Now, because now, this was back in 1996 is, when, is what they were uh, talking about in the movie. Okay, well, um, there's, you know, they've they they have a span of years, and it may very well, uh, it was produced for the model year 1997, but there were, um, you know, there were others released along the way. So what happened right. to it? What's okay, the uh, executive so what, summary? What, what happened was, yeah, this is well, this is all I know about it. I didn't even see the movie. I just oh, okay. looked into it. Um, so what happened was the GM said, uh, we can't let you have these cars anymore. Give them back. The owner said, but we like these cars. We love them. We want to keep them. How much does it cost to buy them? Because they were leased. And GM said, you cannot buy them. We will not let you buy them. And they took them all back. They had trouble taking a couple few of them back because the owners did not want to get rid of them mm-hmm. they took them all back and they crushed them yes they did and that's the long and short of the story 
And to according to Wikipedia, day, that's the case. Yeah, and to this day, um, you know, there's no satisfactory explanation as to why. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What is the uh, the theory out there? As to, uh, uh, well, they're putting to it that it's, it's you know, it's um, cutting into the profits of the oil companies and the government uh, who was bought by the oil companies and other, other players um, involved in it, too. Well, that's so, too bad, you know, uh, and it hasn't stopped other companies from doing similar research. They could have led the way in that particular area, but now instead other companies are going to be able to do it. And so maybe it'll take a little bit longer, but that, that technology is still, uh, still on the way. I mean, Tesla Motors, is is they've got working cars on the road that are, uh, I, I believe, fully electric. Right, and another um, EV is coming out, I believe, in 2010. Okay. From there General Motors, but... I think that it's going to be a uh, a hybrid, just a hybrid that gets like 200 miles to the gallon or something mm. like that. Excellent. Good to know that. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate the, uh, your clarification on that. 1-800-259-9231. Since we're talking vehicles, you had a story about fire trucks, Mark. Yes, I did. Private fire trucks. Apparently, or at least um, one of them. <clears throat> from Telegram.com, private fire trucks save California homes. Owners pay an average of $19,000 a year. Firefighter Sam Craze was in the San Diego community of Rancho Santa Fe when the median, where the median home price is $2.4 million, spraying retardant hmm. as a wildfire spread to nearby brush. We talked about the retardant. It's this chemical they spray on the perimeter of the home. They actually will spray it on the home as mm-hmm. well if it's in a certain risk area. Uh, and this is very expensive uh, homeowner's insurance at this time. Uh, but it's very interesting technology. Well, they didn't uh, they didn't pump that retardant out of the back of a VW Bug. I can tell you that. Yeah. The vegetation um, lit on fire, and it was uh, f- and it was five feet from the house. Says Cray, 28. He turned his hose on the flames, and the home was saved. Craze didn't work for a local fire department or the California Department of Forestry. He works for American International Group Incorporated, the world's largest insurer. If you're a client with a home threatened by California's worst wildfires in four years, you're getting service um, to your next door neighbor. You're getting service your next door neighbor may envy. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do here is to provide uh, our policyholders an, addi- an additional level of protection," said Stan, Stan Riviera, director of wildfire protection at AIG Private Client. Private client group, which we've read a lot of this, but um, essentially they they provided uh, fire trucks to their um, these fire uh, these these private client group and fire retardant uh, services to the the brush around. Let me let me go on here. Hmm. Um, let's see. The average unit was uh, worth 1.7 million. AIG this year expanded its wildfire protection unit to 150 zip codes in California, Colorado, up from 14 where it was uh, formed in 2005. The unit has had the uh, busiest week since its inception as fires burned in at least uh, 719 square miles from Santa Barbara to San Diego. The wildfire uh, protection unit has six trucks outfitted to spray FOSCHEC. The fire retardant used by the U.S. Forestry Service. Customers uh, have post checks sprayed on brush surrounding their homes before each fire season. During a, a wildfire, the trucks are sent out to wherever a fire comes within three miles of a home and uh, spray all the combustible areas. So it's possible to have private fire services. I know they always tell us that, oh, my God, what would we do without the fire department? Well, you know, the fire department's kind of a, in, in some ways, an inefficient organization. It's a bureaucracy. And, Just um, like any other bureaucracy. You know, like most people can largely protect their homes from fires um, by taking a lot of, taking some steps themselves. Mm-hmm. And then if you need additional um, services, 
companies will spring up that can provide those services, and they can probably provide provide them to you on an as-need basis, kind of like the way your house is um, protected against termites or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, why don't we have a termite department? I mean, people's <laughs> homes are destroyed by termites. Sure. It certainly happens, but we don't have a squad of termite men who protect us from these. No, it's true. And, and you know, the fact is the uh, AIG group is insuring very expensive homes. But if we didn't have government fire protection, then the marketplace would fill in that gap. And we'd have real market competition with different companies competing to offer a variety of services at a variety of different price points that, again, the competition would drive prices down to where we could all afford this kind of protection. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.